Hello, I'm Jonathan Smith. I'm the lead pastor at One Church TO, and you're listening to the teaching time from our weekend gathering. We're an imperfect community of over 70 nationalities and five generations who are attempting to follow and shine Jesus in the greater Toronto area. Our vision, it's so simple. We want to help people from all walks of life know God, love people, and in turn, impact our city for good. We've designed these weekends to be meaningful, challenging, and encouraging, and I hope that's what you get from listening. Shema Israel Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad Ve'ahavta et Adonai Elohecha Bechol levavcha Ubechol nafshecha Ubechol meodecha That's a pastor friend of uh, Pastor Jonathan and I pastors in Jerusalem, Israel, and he's at the Western Wall. It's the only remaining wall of uh, the temple that we read about in the New Testament. The rest was destroyed 60 AD uh, with the attack of the Romans. And, And he's reading there in Hebrew a prayer that was read there for, well, for the last two millennia. And then before that, you have to go all the way back to the time of Moses. Remember when he gave the Ten Commandments? He also, right at the same time, gave that prayer. The Shema, it's called. And uh, I've been to Israel over a dozen times and uh, been at that Western Wall for hours and just would hear people in different languages of the world just saying the Shema. You know, why? Why? Because it's the most important prayer. One day Jesus himself was put on the spot by a lawyer in the audience. Well, let's read about it. Mark chapter 12. One of the teachers of the law asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God, with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. You know, about 10 years ago, I began just in my prayer time, just tried to dig deeper. Lord, why are you saying that's the most important? And what you hear today is the result of 10 years of uh, prayerfully pondering and cultivating uh, that prayer as a follower of Jesus. Uh, because, listen, if Jesus says something is the most important, I want to make it that important. Uh, to this day, followers of Judaism say this Shema twice a day. In the synagogues, you can hear it sung by the cantor and, and recited. But what's the danger if you just keep hearing this Shema, this prayer, over and over. What's the, what's the danger if you and I recite prayers or sing songs? They can become routine as they become extra familiar. They become a religious ritual. You can just say it without even thinking what the words mean, right? You know what they are. You just sing them or say them. The danger is this. <clears throat> the lips are moving, but the heart is not engaged. The heart's in neutral, even though you might have motor mouth, right? (laughs) 
There's a priest in a liturgical church. He loved to laugh and tell the story when the time he began a service the way he always did. He went up to the microphone at the beginning of this liturgical service and he said, the Lord's peace be with you. And the congregation automatically responded and said, and also with you. Well, one day he began the usual service, but he, with the same familiar words and routine, except the microphone wasn't working. And so he said, there's something wrong with the mic. <laughs> and the congregation automatically responded and said, and also with you. <laughs> it's like the church that was facing a crisis at a business meeting and the chairperson got up and they said, let's open in prayer. Almighty God, you know the crisis we face, we need your help. And then he finished the prayer with an amen and, and said to the people, members of the church, the situation we face is hopeless and there's nothing we can do about it. Prayers can have theological correctness without supernatural connectedness. You know, even in our last liturgical gatherings, our prayers, our songs can become so familiar. We can, we can hear them, we can sing them, we can say the prayers without, without even engaging our hearts. Jesus told the story where, and he compared this Pharisee, this religious leader's prayer to a tax collector, a Roman civil servant's prayer. And he said, the religious leader prayed an articulate prayer that was more a performance for the people who were listening as he prayed out loud. Reminding me of a story, this, this little boy, his grandma was visiting and, uh, and uh, the mom walked by the bedroom and her boy was praying so loud. He said, Lord, all I want is a bicycle. Please give me a bicycle. His mom said, God's not deaf. Why are you praying so loud? He says, I know, but grandma's in the next room and I want her to hear me. Well, that's sort of this guy. But then the civil servant in Jesus' comparison story, he humbled himself. Didn't even feel he could come close to where the priests were. And he just stood back at a distance and said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus said, that, that's the prayer that connected to God with humility, with, with God consciousness. Uh, you know, over my years, I've been in a lot of church gatherings, especially when we've had multiple services, and I, I constantly have to catch myself. Because <laughs> I can be singing songs, I just sang them in two other services the same weekend. And I, I know the lyrics, I know the tune, I can find myself singing the words without, without even thinking and without even engaging the heart. You know, you, you can have well-prepared music, well-rehearsed, skilled musicians and biblical lyrics and, still, and still, still just have pretty sound waves. Not even praising God. I, I catch myself. God, these prayers are to you. These songs are for you. It's all about you. Basically, you know what I'm telling myself? I'm talking to myself and I'm saying, Shema. Shema. Because you know what Shema means? It means listen. It's a Hebrew word. It's the beginning of that prayer. Listen up. Pay attention. Look at me. How many parents have said this to their kids? <laughs> Listen up. Engage your heart. Be fully present in this moment. 
The series we begin today has the potential to change this year for you one day at a time and beyond in your life. I'm excited about what we're going to see together these first two weeks because I, I can tell you that practicing the Shema has, has had this compounding benefit for me spiritually. It just deepened something in me, in my heart, my soul, my mind, my strength. I, I can be right in the middle of something and just become conscious of the Lord's presence since just because I've, I've been praying this prayer. Or my self-control will increase where I would have had fear. Or my confidence level will go up. Or, or I'll get perspective. Or I'll, I'll be thinking not about what this person's saying and how it affects me, but, but the, the, there's this others-centeredness that can happen. Uh, in this series about how to pray, the first two weeks we're going to see how to practice the Shema as a follower of Jesus. And by the time we get to the last two weeks, Pastor Jonathan, I'm so excited because then when we get to the place where we're praying one for the other, and um, you know whether it's in our community groups or up here at the front or on the phone with someone, um, by the time we get to that final Sunday night where we're going to have a healing service in this room in January, by the time we get there, you know, when we bring a, a personal prayer life that's been deepened and strengthened, how many know our prayers for one another are going to be all that much more effective and powerful? It's going to be stronger. Looking forward to it. The first thing we're asked to pay attention to is your love for God. It's in the Hebrew language. The word is ahava. Ahava. In the book of Deuteronomy, God told Moses to give the Shema to his people. But watch this now. Before he instructed them how to do the Shema and all the Ten Commandments, you have to go back to chapter 4 where it all started. Moses said, God calls on you to love him. Why? Because he loves you. Because he loved your ancestors and chose their descendants after them. That's you. He brought you out of Egypt by his presence and his great strength. How many know God loves us first? The best we can ever do when we say, I love you, Lord, is respond to the greatest love in the universe that's already been given to us. It's the best we can ever do. And the best evidence that we have that, uh, of God's love is Jesus. We know we're loved because he did what he didn't have to do, but he gave his life so we could have one. Did you catch that? I have a one. He, he gave his life so we could have an everlasting one. He did. Love the Lord your God. Lord, we, we are unique in what's called the animal kingdom, not because we're top of the food chain, not because we're the, uh, the most advanced mammal, or we have a superior intelligence to animals, we, we are made with the capacity to actually experience the presence of God. We we're designed not just as bodies, minds, and emotions. We're spiritual beings. In you, human, is a reflection of God, the image of God. And that's why so many religions, they pray, they reach out, they just know there's a higher power, there's someone out there somewhere, and they look for leadership uh, historically to try and get them to him. It's natural for a human to reach out to a God who is out there, but, but there's so many conflicting and confusing ideas about God. 
That's why I've learned to do this. Um, I think it was Timothy Keller that first said it, but I've learned, learned to do this in my own words. When someone says, you know, I don't believe in God, I'll say this. Well, then tell me about the God that you don't believe him because when you describe him, chances are I don't believe in that God either. <laughs> Jesus said, you want to know what God is like? He said, take a good look at me. He who has seen me has seen the Father. In Jesus, the fullness of God dwells. You get the full picture in Jesus. And he's... When you see Jesus, you know that God, he's fully trustworthy. Love the Lord your God with all. Now, one of the questions I had when I started deep diving on the Shema is that in the Hebrew, Deuteronomy 6, when the original, it says in Hebrew, with all your heart, soul, and strength. But when Jesus in Mark 12 quotes the Shema, he says, with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Why does Jesus add mind? Jesus is communicating not in Hebrew, but in Greek. And, and like any language, words don't encompass the exact same meaning when you translate them into another language. And so in Greek, basically, it took four words to cover the full meaning of what the Hebrew language said in three. So we're going to look at the, the one that Jesus gave us. Jesus saying, love the Lord. Bottom line, whether it's Deuteronomy or, or, or Mark, the Lord is saying, love the Lord your God with every part of you. There's not one part of you that is not at its best when it's loving God. There's not one part of you that wasn't made to love God. You know, so you can't go to the Lord and say, Lord, I reserve the right to limit quantities. No, no, all of you were made for God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Lev is the Hebrew word. Hebrew is the same as English in this regard. The word heart isn't just referring to an organ in the chest. Can you imagine if I went to my wife Esther and I said, Esther, I love you with all my heart pumper, or blood pumper. <laughs> I mean, it just, you know, she's a nurse. She'd understand that part of it, but it sure wouldn't be very romantic. Heart in Hebrew, Greek, and English, it, this, it's the center of the feelings. It's where I make up my mind, and it's where the willpower comes from. That's the heart. That's why we read in the Bible, you, you find that sadness and happiness both take place in the heart. But it goes deeper than that. You also find that the heart can be deceived and the heart can be made brand new. But it's very important. Here's where we're going to focus now. The heart is something we can set. We can set our hearts. Just like when you choose what's on your playlist, you choose what's there, what you listen to. So it is with television. You choose the channel Listen, when it comes to your feelings, when it comes to your heart, you hold the remote. You set your heart. It's, it's Old Testament, New Testament. Look at this. Set your heart. Set your affection. Set your mind. It's in, it's in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, the newer part of the Bible, the part that's written since Jesus came. In our culture, though, listen, what's the first question we ask one another? Usually, maybe you asked it today when you got up this morning, you saw someone that's in your same household. You know, how do we say, how are you? Come on, yes. How are you? 
I didn't hear anyone in the balcony. How are you? I didn't hear anyone online. <laughs> how are you feeling today, right? As if, whoa, when we know how you're feeling, we know how the rest of your day is going to go. When we know you're feeling, that'll dictate and determine how the rest of your day is going to turn out. And then what if something happens? What's the journalist question you know other than the word absolutely? What do you know? They're, they're always going to say when they interview someone, how did it make you feel? Yeah. You're not even a journalist and you knew that. <laughs> Feelings are the go-to measurement to assess whatever happens in our lives. The reality is, though, let's be balanced here, feelings are powerful. Feelings are powerful. They're not to be ignored. They're not to be submerged. They are to be listened to. But the reality also is feelings can get it wrong. They should not be the final umpire because they can get it wrong. They can lie to you. They can ruin your day. They can rob you of good in your life. They can steal your confidence. If you're feeling insecure, you can miss out on a whole bunch of good opportunities in, in, in life, in relationships, and in circumstances. You can, you can miss a whole bunch of things. Don't let feelings dictate your assessment. Assess your feelings. Put them in their right... Pastor John, remember when we did that series on emotions? And Well, I, I used an illustration of how my grandma was visiting. My mom was visiting, so she was grandma to our two little kids. And it never would have been Matthew, right? It, was, it had to be the oldest one. And she was trying to say... We were late at church and the kids were running. She, she called David to... you know. Jump. He said, you're not the boss of me. There's a time to say that. There's a time not to say that. But you can say it to your feelings. You say that, that, that would be a right time to say it. You, you're not the boss of me. If they're trying to hold you back from doing something good, or if they're trying to push you to do something wrong, how many know it's the right time to say, you're not the boss of me? And yet you hear this view that's said, almost like it validates uh, how feelings ruling you ever hear someone say, oh, you ask them to do something, it's good, or it's right. And they have the capacity to do it, but they're not just, and they'll say this, ah, oh, I'm just not feeling it. Right? Ah, oh, just not feeling it. <laughs> and then, and then if, you, if you push it further, it goes like this, look. Listen, you don't want me to do something if I'm really not feeling it, do you? That would make me a Hypocrite. So I thought of a couple of scenarios here. There's a toddler that's in your care, hasn't eaten all day. Evening comes. I'm so hungry, can I please have you get me something to eat? Sorry, kid. Just not feeling it. I just don't feel like making the food. You don't want daddy to be a hypocrite, do you? Or a spouse says, can you take the garbage out? It's starting to stink. Sorry, love. Stink on. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just not feeling it today. Or, you know, our, our volunteers behind these cameras and behind the scenes, you know, so many people for this gathering, both you online and in this room in Toronto, they were here at 7.30 this morning. 
I was thinking about them this morning. God bless them for their commitment. But I can just imagine one of them phoning up Pastor Matt or, or Jeff and saying, you know, my alarm went off, but I don't feel like getting up. <laughs> How many are glad they did? <laughs> How we love God with all of our heart. It's, it's, it's by setting our feelings. My feelings don't set me. Listen, my feelings are not the boss. My heart is not the boss. Who is the boss then? Do you know what's the boss? Your love for God. Your love for God is the boss. Love for God rules my feelings. It rules my heart. Next Sunday, we're going to see how powerful it is when we choose to love God with all our souls, our minds, and our strength. Today, let's see the power of loving God with all of our hearts. I'm telling you, this can change your days in the future. I don't know if I had a day in the last, I don't know how many years where it hasn't been better because I had moments where I prayed this Shema that is for believers. It's changed the way I respond to people and circumstances. And, and the longer I pray it, the more years ago by, the more excited I get. Because I, I just know how helpful it can be to a follower of Jesus. How do you love God with all your heart? Before we pray, let's look at three things, all right? How can you love God with all your heart? I'm going to give you one never, one always and we'll end with an all, okay? And that'll be all. First, never get good at routine prayers that don't engage your heart. You know, um, you, well, let's go back to the Western Wall in Jerusalem and hear uh, Pastor Wayne reading some instructions that come right after the Shema. You know, he says, this is what you pray, this is how important it is, and then, then listen to this with all your soul and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. Did you hear that? You just bind them on your forehead and you wrap them into your hands. Now, so some of them, did they do this literally. Look at this. You say, why are some Orthodox Jews, why do they have this wrapped around? And this, what's that? It looks like a camera on their forehead. GoPro camera, right? But, but it's not. They're just trying to take it so seriously. Wrapping, and in there will be copies of the Torah, the law of Moses. But, but, but of course, that's not exactly what's being said here. It's not about, it's saying when you lie down, when you get up, keep it with you wherever you go. It, the Shema is right there with you because God's with you. You, you want to love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength wherever you are. The New Testament uh, equivalent would be pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. Constantly aware that Jesus' spirit is with you. Next week, we're going to give you a, a Shema that I start every day with. I pray throughout the day. It's my best understanding of what it means for a follower of Jesus to pray the Shema today. And, but, but here's the first line. Let's memorize the first line today, okay? I'll say it, and then you say it after me, all right? I love you with all my heart, Lord, so I set my feelings 
by praising and thanking you for so much good. Did he say it aloud together with me? I love you with all my heart, Lord. So I set my feelings by praising and thanking you for so much good today. Now, when we praise God, it's for who he is, right? So just, I praise you, Lord, for your goodness, for being a God I can trust, <laughs> for being love, for being forgiving, for correcting. Thank you. And then when I thank him, it's for what he, he does, right? He, he provides. I thank him for his blessings. Didn't Pastor Jonathan give us a wonderful resource, New Year's Eve? If you, he, I think you mentioned it today, Pastor Jonathan, but gratitude. You know, when you hit this part of the Shema, just, there's some wonderful scripture verses about gratitude that would just help you just flesh that part of your, your prayer time out. You know, um, you, you can pray it anywhere. You can be grateful anywhere, right? You can love the Lord with all your heart. Matter of fact, I was, didn't know whether to tell you this or not, but I had three MRIs recently, just trying to track down some of the back problem pain I have. <clears throat> all of them, it was all three different uh, technicians, and when they put me into this claustrophobia maker, they, they, <clears throat> they, they said, you know, when you go in there, they said, it's very important if we're going to get good pictures, you stay very still. And... Um, and it'll be, you hear a lot of clanging noises, and it'll be about 40 minutes. So when the first one went, I thought, 40 minutes, wow, what am I going to do? I can meditate. The Shema has four parts. <laughs> so I'm going to start with just loving the Lord with all my heart and, and praising him for who he is and thanking him for all the good things that he has done. I never got to the third part, heart, soul, mind. I don't got the mind, and they interrupted me, saying it's all over. <laughs> By the time I got to the third MRI, that third 40 minute time, I don't think I even got past just loving the Lord with all my heart and his blessings and his goodness. There's just something that happens when we, when we set our feelings and, and we thank and we praise God. But anyway, the Shema works anywhere. All right, second, second. Always set your own feelings by enjoying an all done list before going over your to-do list. I learned this from the Bible and from my wife. Which do you want first? I think it's safer to start with the Bible. <laughs> the Apostle Paul wrote in the scriptures to the Christians in Philippi, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. How many have found it so easy to go to God with your grocery list of needs and requests? Apostle Paul says, listen, you need to tell your requests just to move over for a few minutes while you have time to thank the Lord for his goodness. That's what he's saying here. What he's already done. Do you remember the time where Jesus healed the 10 lepers and only... One came back to say thanks. Yeah, you know, we, 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 we teach a lot about how good Thanksgiving is for us, but isn't it, isn't it sweet to see how meaningful Thanksgiving is to Jesus? When God hears us saying thanks to him, it means something special to him. And, and so we, we move aside our requests, our to-do list. We move it aside to thank you, for Lord, for what you've done. We have an all-done list. Now, my wife likes lists. I didn't go over this illustration with you before the teaching time. I'm sorry. Ran out of time. <laughs> or something like that. Um, 
But my wife loves to accomplish. She does lists, lists and lists. She, she has all these tasks she wants. And when we pray at night, thank you, Lord, for helping us what we accomplished today. And so the, the problem is that she also makes lists for me. I've heard people call them honey-do lists. Honey-do this, honey-do that. You know, I've heard that. But, but that's not the real problem. The real problem is this. Once they're done, as the Irish say, they're done and dusted, it's over. It's like what you've done disappears. It vanishes. It's deleted and forgotten. Only visible on the list is what you still have not done, what you're still requesting. So we're building a, up in the Perry Sound area a smaller home, and, which means there's lots of lists, right? <laughs> lots of things to be done. And... Uh, but I've learned to do something different. And it is working so well. I keep all my to-do lists, everything that's been crossed off or checked off, I keep them all. Every once in a while, you probably know what I'm doing, don't you? Yeah. But I'll pull them up and say, look at honey, isn't that something? We had this, 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 and that, that, and the other, and the other, look, page number 14. We, are this. we had all these things to do, and they're all done. You know what she'll do? Just say, wow, isn't that great? Thank you, Lord. Never thank you, Keith. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. There was a boy that was asked, do you pray every day? He said, no, some days I don't want anything. <laughs> Shema has us starting our prayers with, I love you, Lord. Lord, if I never received anything further from your hand, thank you for what you've already done. Amen? Thank you for what you've already done. Even if I don't feel it today, I know you're good because of what Jesus did for me. Today, there's so much going on. I have so many requests for you, but I say move over requests. I need to praise the Lord for a few moments. I love you, Lord. So I set my feelings by praising and thanking you for so much good today. All right, number three. Number three, and then we're going to pray. Bring all of you into his presence until you see his face. In the Bible, sometimes you read about God's hand. Sometimes you read about his face. The face of it. Have you ever heard uh, someone in the Bible say, seek his face. Your face, Lord, will I seek. Now, God is spirit. He doesn't have a face. He doesn't have a brain, and he's never missed it. <laughs> he, God is spirit. But it helps us relate to God, because when we read about God's hand in Scripture, it speaks of his provision, what he provides, what he does, right? His hand is what he does. He intervenes. He helps in his creation. He helps us. We sing that song, Great is Your Faithfulness. All I have needed, your hand has provided. We, we, we understand God's hand. And then God's face, if God's hand is what he does, God's face is who he is. He, Jesus said, you want to know what God's like? Take a good look at me. Look at me in the face. You'll see what God's like. Can you imagine what it would be like to look into the face of Jesus Christ and have him give you his full attention? Listen, some of the ones that had it happen to them during their three-year internship with Jesus, 
And then they wrote about it. You got John writing about it. He's writing his first chapter. He says, God came. God came and dwelt among us. And we have seen his face. We have seen his glory. Peter, he's a, he's a senior citizen and he still hasn't gotten over it. He says, you know what? We were eye, eyewitnesses of his majesty. The king of kings, we got to do life with him on planet earth. You know, our, our kids are, are, are so good when Nona, that's that lady, Poppy, visit. Every time you go out the door, I mean, this happened, they, the poor kids, you know, they could be right in the middle of building the best Lego ever. Come and say goodbye to Nona and Poppy. Now that's good, good for the kids and all that. But I, I just noticed that, you know, I remember when I was a little kid, and uh, still haven't left all of it behind. And uh, I, I just, just know what it's like. You know, okay, comes and go, why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? We just talk to them. You know, we're just playing with them. But, but, they, but they do this. So I, I do something. I learned to do something that gets their attention. What I'll do. And, uh, you know, there are different heights. And I'll get down to their eye level. And I'll say, look at Poppy's face. What's Poppy's face saying? And I'll go like this. I'll go. Angry. Or what's Poppy's face saying now? I'll go. And they'll say, silly. And we'll go through all these things. I won't demonstrate anymore. You get the idea. <laughs> then I'll get to a place they know how it's going to end, though, because I'll always say, what are Poppy's eyes saying now? And they'll look at me right in the eyes. <laughs> My favorite one, he's always a little awkward in this moment. And he says, his voice tremors. He says, I love you. <laughs> And if they keep looking at my eyes, do you know what they're going to say? Every time. I love you too, Bobby. The Shema is not just about how to technically pray with tips and techniques. It's about being in the presence of Jesus and looking in the eyes of the one who loves you more than any other being in the universe, despite knowing the most about you. And he loves you so much, he gave his life for you. You look at him in the eyes, and you stay there long enough where you see those eyes saying, I love you. And you say, I love you too, Lord. I love you too. Let's pray. I want to invite you to just pray this to the Lord. I'd love for you to memorize it and just have it right there in your your mental pocket, just to pull out whenever you need it. I said, let's pray, but uh, I want you to just say this out loud together with me, first of all, with your eyes open and your heart open. Say it loud together with me. I love you with all my heart, Lord, so I set my feelings by praising and thanking you for so much good today. Now, now I'll, I'll invite you as much as you can, as much as you can, just, just picture looking into the face of Jesus who loves you and hear him say, I love you. Now, just as much as you can, just say it right to Jesus this time. I love you with all my heart, Lord. So I set my feelings by praising and thanking you for so much good today. Aloud together with me, right to Jesus now. I love you with all my heart, Lord.
So I set my feelings by praising and thanking you for so much good today. And you know, every time you, every time you come to him to say that, do you know what he's going to be doing? He's going to be blessing you and keeping you. His face will already be shining upon you. His graciousness will be in his face. He'll turn his face towards you. Whatever you're facing, he will give you peace. How many can say, thank you, Jesus? Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen.
Thanks for listening. If you found this helpful, we hope you join us at one of our campuses if you're in the GTA for a weekend gathering. If you're listening from somewhere else in the world, we'd encourage you to join us at onechurch.to slash live. We believe everyone can be a part of what Jesus is doing both in our community and in our city. So if you'd like to connect with us at a deeper level, visit us at onechurch.to slash next steps. See you next time. Thank you.